What's going on, Skytown? Welcome to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. My name is James Kay, and with me on the mic, as always, is your co-host, Christopher J. Pennant. Chris, the 2023 Chicago Sky, the season's over with now. It's crazy to say that. I felt like it's been a long season, but at the same time, anytime you are confronted with the conclusion of a season of any kind, it feels like it kind of creeps up on you. Where's your head at as we try to process the end of this team as we currently know it? We we laughed, we cried, we <laughs> we celebrated, we cried a lot more. You're right. It was a long season, which seems, I think, like, like oh, yeah, of course, it was a long season. It lasts four months. But this season, even the, the 2021 season, which went longer, didn't feel as long. And that team went 16 and 16 and had a long losing streak in their season too. It didn't feel like it was as long as this season was because there was so much turmoil and uncertainty. Like the Kalia, the Kalia Copper signing was nowhere near a sure thing as late as July, I think. So it was a long season, man. It feels like forever ago that James Wade left the team and I guess it was pretty much like the middle of the season, like 40, 50% into the season. It, it was. And now we're here. It feels like we've gone through two seasons. Like last year to me, maybe it was just because I was like at practice pretty much every day where it just blew by so quickly. And even it being like a 36 game campaign and everything, it just felt like it went by really fast. And I guess that when you're winning, you know, when you're covering a team that's winning, when you're the team that's winning, it just it goes by in a flash, but it becomes a little bit more excruciating when you're dealing with midseason coaching changes and multiple losing streaks. And man, we're at this point now, though, where we can kind of look to the WNBA offseason because, as you all know, the Chicago Sky were not able to extend the first round of the playoffs. They we're pummeled by the Las Vegas Aces in game two. We're not really going to talk too much about it because everything that we said about game one pretty much happened in game two, you know. Um, I think the the sky were, were down by like 25 at one point and like whittled it down to nine, something like that, before Las Vegas brought back all its starters and just they finished the job there. So we do kind of want to talk about off-season priorities for this team because there is a lot of them. Chris, do you have any final thoughts about the 2023 season before we get into what's to come for the Chicago Sky this winter? Well, it birthed a lot of what Chicago sports fans love, which is unsung heroes, like people who will always be able to get a table at some spot <laughs> downtown, you know? I think there's some there's some things that would need to be done to bring them back. I think there's some interesting players who you're really thinking about do you want to have them as your ninth and 10th again to shore up uh, what you have on your team? Or do you fill in those spaces with somebody else who could do uh, what they could do for either the same price or all in one rather than one or two people? So uh, the unsung heroes were a lot of fun. Uh, Taylor Soul getting run, Robin Parks getting run, Morgan Birch coming from overseas, all those teams. And then that 17 to two run to start the fourth quarter of game two which I did not see that coming. I don't think anybody in the arena saw it coming other than the team on the visitor side of the bench. So that's something that people can really hang their hat on in a two-game sweep. 
where where the sky never led. I think that that's something that people can really take take home with them into the fall and the winter. Yeah, man, I think you nailed it on the head right there. I mean, there were some fun personalities on this team, even as this team was really going through the ringer, and it really did. It's really impressive that they were even able to make the playoffs. And I know that they they did it in game 39, and they were not really ever going to be a team that was going to win a championship. We said that at the top of the season, that this team didn't have the talent when you lose all those stars and they go to places that become like they fortify their own championship efforts. It's like you kind of have to just enjoy the ride as it comes to you. And there were some fun players on this roster. And I think that's what, I think that that's what, like when we look back at this season for the Chicago sky, after all of the other things that we, what we're going to talk about and we have talked about from that are not as rosy, you know, I do think people loved Courtney Williams, her energy on the floor this season, like people really connected with her, um, in such a short period of time. Same thing with Alana Smith. I think people, we're going to see that a little bit more in Isabel Harrison next year when she's on the floor and people are able to see her and make that connection as well. But, you know, this team, as bumpy of a road as it was, like they really handled everything. And that's kind of my one takeaway from this entire season was just, hey, <laughs> I, I don't think we're going to see the same team in 2024, but like, good for this group for just battling through it and making the most of the opportunities that they had. When you look at someone like an Alana Smith, who wasn't a shoe in to be on a WNBA roster this year, or even Robin parks, who it took her time to find her place on a WNBA roster. And you just go down the list, you know, Dana Evans making her leap too. I know the, again, like, I think the raw stats are pretty deceiving, like of the season that Dana had, but like, there are all these little things that I think fans kind of clambered onto as they went, as they endured a losing season after seeing the last two iterations of the team, even as tough 2021 was like ended a championship and then being a game away from a championship. It's just a little bit different than what sky fans were able to witness over the last two years compared to this year. So with that in mind though, let's talk a little bit about the off season, Chris, you know, I think the number one thing the sky were able to do that, they did their job this season. We said it last episode. They got Kalia Copper to commit to this team. All right. Check that box off. Two-year max contract, super max contract. Kalia Copper is going to be in a Chicago Sky uniform in 2024 and 2025. Look at James trying to take money out of Kyle's pockets. No. Super max. <laughs> I apologize, Kyle. I apologize. <laughs> but um, after that now, what is the next priority for the Sky in terms of that number two th- priority that they have to address heading into yeah this offseason uh it's it's interesting because i think there's a few directions they could go in terms of specific players we saw how much the team missed rebecca gardner we saw how much uh alana smith contributed and those are two players who were paid a hundred thousand dollars and so then you're looking at the salary cap how much are other teams willing to uh go after them you have some leeway with bex more than lan because uh, Alana is an unrestricted free agent, whereas uh, Rebecca is a, a reserve free agent. So unless the Sky release her outright, which I cannot see them doing, then she doesn't have the uh, room to talk to other teams. Very interesting things in the salary cap. And uh, thanks to Richard Cohen of Her Hoop Stats for uh, putting that out there. Honestly, I think outside of shoring up that wing position, which you re-signed Rebecca Gardner, I think that's a no-brainer. So I wouldn't even put it here. 
Mm-hmm. I think you want to, even with the return of Izzy Harrison, I think you could do more with the low post or at least the the front court spots. It's interesting because you got production from Robin Parks and you have Ruthie Hebert, you know, still in that role. But mm-hmm. I don't know if they really did as much as you wanted behind Lan and behind Elizabeth Williams. And I think Alana's play style just kind of necessitates that you pencil her in for 75% of the games, maybe 80, and accept the fact that she's probably going to miss some time at some point in the season. Um, that's not a knock on it. She just goes hard. She's on the floor and she is in, you saw that the smiling Alana battling between um, Alyssa Thomas and I think that's Olivia Nelson Adota. So she's going to take some elbows to the eye, you know, she's going to be off the court for some time during the season. So I think it would be well worth it to look at shoring up the post and seeing what you could get, whether it's a person that you want to have come off the bench or whether you want to say, do you want to swing Elizabeth Williams possibly and see if you can get somebody better? It's, it's interesting. I agree. I do think the front court piece of this outside of the three, like I do think one of the things they're going to need is a scoring wing. But when you look at the post, and how much money you want to tie up to the players that you've had on this roster, which, look, the Sky, they were an eighth seed for a reason, right? They went through so much this season that has to be addressed and be a factor into this equation when we talk about the 2023 Chicago Sky. But I think you have to consider how much of this roster do you want to retain? And and again, Kalia Copper is here for two more years. You don't know. what There's no guarantee after that, all right? I not I'm not sure if you, the Sky are really going to be able to bring Alana Smith back. One thing she said in the exit interviews is that while she loved her time in Chicago, that she is going to come go into free agency with an open mind. And I do think there are some other teams out there that one can offer her more minutes and more money. I think Atlanta, Atlanta, the Atlanta Dream, not Atlanta. I think those are so. Yeah, no, you know it's going to happen if she goes there. Though. <laughs> I, I just look at some of these some of these other teams that can probably offer her a bigger role. And I do think maybe those two moving away from each other might make sense if you're trying to rebuild something here, rebuild the foundation of the franchise as you head into next year with a potentially a new coach too. And I do think we're probably trending in that direction. Um, as much as I love Emray and he's his from an X's and O's standpoint, he's he's a really smart guy. Talk to anyone on the sky about that and how happy they were when he got this opportunity too. I mean, even Candace Parker talked about how much no one else deserved this opportunity, like Emery Vought, like Baton Saber. So um, with that said, though, I, I'm not really sure. If you have Izzy Harrison coming back at 160K, you have Elizabeth Williams, who protecting the rim this year did an incredible job. I think she's actually someone that you can pencil in at the five, and you kind of build the offense trying to figure out how you can get as, as much offense around her as possible because she brings so much on the defensive end. That's where, again, I just, I think if I had to guess, Alana Smith is probably not going to be in a Chicago sky uniform next year, but what do you, would you push back on that? I mean, how would, do you think it's more likely that Alana's back or do you think Alana ends up going somewhere else? As, as it's discussed more, I think it's more of a sentimental thing coming from a fan perspective that you would want to bring Alana back because 
that is the difficult thing. You lost a year of Izzy Harrison and you brought in Izzy Harrison to pretty much be that rim running big who can place, who can switch on defense, you know, defend three through five if necessary and hit some shots for you and bang in the paint. And so Atlanta filled that role admirably, but that's what you bring Izzy Harrison for. She's doing well on her rehab course. And as much as, I don't know if there is anybody is like, I, I put it out there a moment ago really is kind of a, you know, what do you look at? What do you look at as a general manager? I don't know if you could swing anything better than Elizabeth Williams in a trade considering the season that she just had, you would want somebody who could shoot from, you know, further out, but that's why you have Izzy Harrison on the floor. And honestly, with the way that Tika Kone played, I think she could fill in that role off the bench as well. And, James Wade said that she's somebody, or at least um, he said that her coach in Spain said she was somebody who could finish her career in the top echelon of WNBA players. So that's high praise. And we saw glimpses of that this year. She plays with an energy that is bordering on fearless and, and, you know, I would say maniacal in a good sense. When you have somebody who's willing to just like go at Brianna Stewart the way that Sika Kone did, I think that's somebody that you you really, really like to have on your team. And that's why they have the deal in place that they have for her through 2026 with the team option. So I I tend to agree. I think you have that position where you'd like to see some more, but you have a player coming back, which essentially works like a trade or a free agency pickup. So then you're really looking at what do you want from your lead guard spot? Do you bring back Courtney Williams at the same price? Do you run with Dana Evans or do you look for somebody in a draft in a trade or free agency? And I think this is a very interesting look because of the potential free agents that are on the market. I think that's actually a perfect setup for one of the top priorities that I had for the sky, which is figuring out who cause Robin is going to be in 2024. And I'm not entirely sure how possible that's going to be given where free agency stands with some of these players. And so much can happen between now and January. From a recruiting standpoint, there's always going to be recruiting that happens offline or that the media and other, I don't know, the other franchises don't know about. I mean, I think that's just kind of natural in pro sports, especially given the wide gap there is between the WNBA season, um, when it its conclusion and when the next one starts. But figuring out who Cos Robin is going to be, I think, is important to try to take away some attention from her on the defensive side or when teams game plan for her offensively. I do think the Sky need to find a way to take some pressure off of her. And I don't think there's really an obvious choice through free agency where the Sky can find that number two to complement Kalia Copper. And I just think there's a couple names we I think we can – Rule off the bat here, Chris. Like Brittany Griner said, she's returning to Phoenix. She's a free agent, okay. but she said in her exit interview, she is returning to Phoenix. It's home, and I think she wants to finish her career with Diana Taurasi. So, Brittany Griner's off the board. I would be shocked, absolutely shocked, if Elena Deladon returned to the Chicago Sky after everything that's been written and said about Elena Deladon. I just don't think that she's someone that really wants to go through that media vitriol that would happen. Like. I would, I would be shocked if Elena Deladon would be in blue and gold at this point in her career. I, I wonder I wonder what that says about the, the, the veracity of the Washington media versus Chicago, because like Elena's <laughs> uh, uh, had her fair share of, of time off the court there too. 
And I mean, it's not, it's nothing against her. It's just, I know that was a lot of what happened here too. Yeah, it's interesting. It's very interesting because I thought Washington media was tough like that. Like I thought they were extra hard. Maybe they're softened up. I don't know about that. I think out of all the markets out there from that cover the WNBA consistently, I think Washington is pretty consistent with that and does ask the right questions quite honestly, because they do have, based on what I've seen more reporters out in the field covering the team day to day than other markets do. Um, I, I, but again, I just don't think Elena Delon's returning the Chicago sky. That's just, that's a lot of media attention that I don't think she's interested in. I also don't think Stewie is coming to Chicago, not only from her not taking a meeting with the sky last season, right? There's also, is she really going to leave salute who signed a two year deal in New York for Brianna Stewart to then go to Sloot's old team. I just don't, I just have a hard time seeing that happen. Um, and I think the same thing with like John Quell, it just would be real, even though I think there's less of a commitment you, there. But. I think you reach for John Quell. Like, you know, I think that's somebody who you risk going into the luxury tax for. Even if she's not going to go, you at least like. There's no luxury tax though, right? Like, it's a hard cap, so like the. Oh, it's just straight up like, so. Yeah, this is always weird to me. Yeah, the WNBA is like it's crazy, and actually, salute someone that's always been like, yeah, we should be able to have like a luxury tax. Like, if there's a, a team out there that wants to pay players and are willing to take on a financial hit, then shit, that should be something that 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 team should be able to do, and. And this is, again, two different WNBAs at play here. The ones that are going for it from that standpoint, resources, and that want to maximize every single financial resource that they have versus some that are not really as committed. But I do think we're seeing the new WNBA kind of arrive here. And the teams that aren't investing are catching on real quick that they're going to lose all their star players if they don't commit some serious resources to their franchise. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I would agree though. I mean, if the sky could just offer John Quill Jones, a massive contract, I think she is someone that could fit next to Elizabeth Williams in a way that another free agent in NECA Gumake would just not be able to as much like this. That's just a lot of back to the basket play with NECA and Elizabeth, which I know we're talking about like a first team, all, you know, caliber player in NECA versus Elizabeth who, I mean, should be on a defensive, like an all defensive team this year, um, just given how, how she played. But um, and if you have a chance to get NECA, you just go ahead and do it. But I do think it, it just becomes really complicated when you look at the post players that would easily answer the question of who plays next to Kalia Copper and be that second star that can help contribute late in games like that. Um, is there anyone else that I know that you and Steven talked about this on CHGO? I mean, is there anyone else that stood out to you that you think? could potentially fill that that number two spot next to Kalia Copper. Um, well, you talked about the Washington media, and I think Natasha Cloud is a really interesting person. We WNBA fans got to see her put on one of her best career performances. It was ultimately uh, a losing effort against the New York Liberty, but you know she left it all out on the floor. And I, I swear I saw this, and I don't, know how to look for it but i swear in their last regular season game since they were the lower seed and playing on the road she hit a she had the fair she had the uh, a wave to the fans in dc now 
you can take that however you want, but I need to source that, obviously. I think that there's somebody that you really try to get because Natasha Cloud isn't going to come with a super max level of, of money. And this is, you know, I, I, I'm a Dana Evans fan too. I really am, but I don't think she's ready yet to take on that starting point guard role. Some of that will be dependent on what she does overseas this year um, with another, you know, year plus of, of seasoning and preparation and, and maybe, a differentiation or an adding to of her role with whichever team she goes with last year with Besiktas, we saw her be a score first option and then draw defense and pass that way. And I think we saw that part of Dana Evans game expand, but I don't see her as the starting point guard for this team quite yet. And I think you could improve on Courtney Williams, especially in terms of, a, of an on off and plus minus role uh, plus minus statistically. And I think Natasha Cloud would fit in with the team's ethos already. She's hard-nosed. She's going to get in your face. She's going to do whatever you it, it takes to win. And I think that she would do well with this team. I'm with you on that. I love the idea of Natasha Cloud on this team in theory because you have someone who not only – I think, look, what one of Courtney Williams' downfalls a little bit was on the defensive end, which I think contributes to the plus-minus differentials that you're talking about especially in the second half of the season, you would get a natural point guard, Natasha Cloud, who's consistently in the top five in assists per game in the WNBA. You get someone that is just a tenacious defender who can do a lot for you and you pair her with Kalia Copper. Man, that is a dangerous defensive duo on the perimeter and that's not even factory in Rebecca Gardner if she comes back to the team in 2024, which well, I think a lot of Sky fans would like to see that. Um, especially given how things ended for her against Washington and that just be her season. Um, There's got to be some unfinished business there. I just wonder if Natasha Cloud is the missing piece, I guess, and how many years you'd have to commit to her versus giving yourself a little bit more flexibility in 2020, like after next season. But then again, you're gambling by having another season where like where you're, you're not, set at point guard. And I agree with you too. I think Dana Evans is kind of a perfect person coming off the bench again. If she, she talked about wanting to improve as a facilitator too. And you have someone that like her that could come off the bench. You know, I think her playing like 20, 25 minutes a game is definitely like, is something that's definitely in her wheelhouse. And she, uh, what she brings on the defensive end, I think is incredibly valuable for this team, but having that natural point guard, or just natural facilitator, let's just say, in Natasha Cloud, I think would do a lot for this team. Man, and I get needing to set up the offense, but I do think just having a, some more scoring on this team could also help this team a little bit, just in terms of taking it to the next level. But I guess I'm curious how much Natasha Cloud wants in free agency and how much is left over for the bottom of the salary, or the bottom of the roster for for players, I guess. How much of this do you think like has to do with also if Marina Mabry is going to improve as a facilitator and like if she's willing to take on that role? Because I know that you saw this too about how Marina talked about she took a lot of accountability for how things went this season. Like obviously there were highs for Marina Mabry, but then the lows existed. I mean, we can't just not pretend they didn't happen too, especially from a facilitating standpoint. Do you think if Marina does improve overseas, shows flashes of what she did 
with the Dallas Wings towards the end of 2022 that maybe Natasha Cloud, instead of using the money on her, that Marina Mabry can step into that lead guard role and potentially take that on so that this guy can address other areas of the roster? Or is that too much to ask for in a span of five to six months when you actually have to address these issues? I think so, because a lot of what Marina talked about in that exit interview was being able to maneuver through uh, screens and play uh, play tougher defense. We, we all saw that she, at the at the tail end of the season, if the screen was set up, she couldn't. She either couldn't go through or wouldn't go through at that point in the season, and that's not a knock. The healthiest any athlete is is the first day of training camp, and after that, you are just slowly moving down from a hundred percent. And so Marina took a lot of knocks, and I think that she just is wasn't her body wasn't ready to play that type of defense, squeezing through screens and quickly trailing on ball handlers the way that was needed. And on the other end, she you could see the frustration when she, when play when people were playing her tough physically, like the aces just made a living off of bumping and uh, you know hooking, trapping arms, making her work for it, Jackie Young especially. And so that's when you saw some of that frustration really come out, and it detracted from her play. So I think in the off season, short as it is, before she goes overseas, and a lot of that overseas time is going to be focused on making her body stronger, tougher, um, more capable of handling both the minutes, the extended minutes, the extended playtime, and being able to outpace, outmaneuver, being tougher than the players defending her and on the defensive end, being able to defend those players, get through the screens that play, that teams are going to throw at her. And so I think that's her focus rather than necessarily improving her ability to make those plays and play make. So I think you go and get a lead guard if you can, because Marina can do that the same way that Dana can do that, the same way that in limited stretches, Ka can do that, or that Ka can do that. You're not necessarily asking them to do that for an extended period of time, of time in the game. So I think you get somebody who can really fill what the team's been looking for with the absence of Courtney Vandersloot, somebody whose main goal is to facilitate and then score when you need them to score. Yeah, I think that's definitely, that's the ideal type of player that you would want in that role for sure. I just think that's going to kind of drag their ceiling down a little bit, just given that I do think, and like I haven't talked to people about it, like with this guy or anything, but I do think when you make that Marina Mabry trade, you're getting someone that could have been a lead facilitator for you at least a little bit, you know, and we saw even like think about even last year, like the Scott. So she had 140 assists in 2023 and 125 assists in 2022, playing like 200 less minutes, you know, like a 15 assist difference and what 200 minute difference there. I mean, man, I just I think that she because she got the freedom that she got, she was able, she had that scores mentality, you know, and again, she shot 39% from deep on 7.8 attempts per game. Like that's really solid. You know, that's up there for being one of the league's best and everything. But I really think the Marina Mabry that I thought this guy we're getting was going to be a more, be able to take on a more, like just a bigger role from a facilitating standpoint. And if she's not, I do think that kind of limits them a little bit for what they're going to be able to do next year a little bit, but maybe she ends up being the wing scorer that they need. Maybe they bring in Natasha Cloud um, or Laisha Clarendon, or honestly, 
Jordan Canada. Jordan Canada would be someone that if they miss out on the Natasha Cloud, I don't want to say sweepstakes, but just if they miss out on Natasha Cloud, that you bring in someone like Jordan Canada, who, while we talked a lot about her scoring this year and her improved three-point shooting, I think people kind of forgot, like, hey, she's also been someone that can lead an offense. I am just very curious to see where this where this guy go and if, you know, if they end up not being able to sign the top facilitators on the market that if Courtney Williams ends up coming back and then t- takes on the same role she did this year. But again, I think they, they can't keep, you can't keep the same roster you had last year. And just to say that bringing back Isabel Harrison, Rebecca Gardner is enough to push them over the top, but maybe I'm wrong when it comes to that. Um, is there, what's the next priority you would say for the sky after again, sorting through free agency, they're getting that lead facilitator or finding um, like, I, I thought maybe tip Hayes could potentially be an option for the sky. Um, That's if, a name I saw too. Yeah. That would be pretty good. Like if Marina is able to step up in that facilitating role, then you could slide tip Hayes over at the two and then have Ka at the three and then Isabel Harrison at the four and Isabel or like uh, Elizabeth Williams at the five. Like, that's a gritty team immediately off the bat that with Dana coming off the bench, someone who could definitely win a six woman of the year award at some point in her career. Like I think things become a little bit more interesting there potentially, but yeah. Is there any, uh, well, one, is there any other free agents that you want to talk about or is there another priority that, that you have on your list for the sky this off season? I think I think head coach is really the the one that we've kind of danced around, and you mentioned it before that you think Emory's not necessarily coming back, and I I'm leaning that way too. I'm interested to see how what they do with that since they never removed the interim tag from his name, and you know do you have him back on the bench because we saw what his offensive mind can do. We I mean we've seen it for a while, right? Yeah. But getting this team to where they were in the second half of the season, they were the they they scored the second most century mark games of the year behind the Liberty. They they eclipsed 100 points more than any other team not named the New York Liberty. And a lot of that went to what Emre was able to do, how he was able to maneuver his team, especially when they were in the right, the right frame of mind and the right situation. So that then the question becomes, who do you get? And Teresa Weatherspoon is a name we've already talked about. And a lot of people like, and I think there's a lot of name recognition for her, but I, you have to do your due diligence on that and the general manager. So you're trying to get a head coach and general manager within the next two months. I think that is your hard and fast deadline sooner for GM, but that's important in terms of doing all of this stuff that we've just talked about in pursuing players and free agency. I'm with you. I am curious who this guy have on their list of people who they want to bring in and you know make the priority i mean obviously annie costable to chicago sometimes has reported about their level of interest in Teresa witherspoon but i am curious where they end up going with this one because this is a huge hire this is a really big hire i think they're probably going to go with someone with the style that James had in terms of like the rah-rah guy, right? I mean, on media or on the X interviews, we've heard multiple players talk about how having like that, that big presence in the locker room is something that they, um, that they could use for next year. And I also want to point out like they're, they definitely were not taking 
shots at Emray by any means, but I do think that you look at the energy in the Sky locker room based on all those social media videos, right, that the, the Sky come after games, and you have James Wade making those impassioned speeches that he, he has everybody locked in and everyone, like, you know, everyone everyone wants to go to war, and then, it like, you know, it just wasn't quite like that. And that's honestly, it's okay to not be a rah-rah type of person, you know, or type of coach. That's There's not one way of doing fucking anything, Chris, so I – I'm not ruling Emre coming out, but based on how the team was talking a little bit about it two days ago and the exit interviews, I, I think they're going to try to find someone with that type of energy because I think that's, that is a little bit important, um, especially when you, with all the personalities that are on this team that kind of align with what James Wade had in terms of getting fired up, you know, like since you have those players on the roster, you probably should build a team with that type of mentality. I think it wouldn't be crazy to see that the GM part of it, man, I haven't thought about candidates at all. Um, have you thought about candidates? And Dude, I, I have, think I know enough. <laughs> I have no idea. Like, I feel like there's so many MBAs out there now with the programs that I see on the buses. Like I'm not saying it could be anybody, right. But it could be so many people with the way that the WNBA has been set up. We have had head coach and GM. That's pretty much been it, except for maybe the last three, four years. So there hasn't been a need necessarily to think about, well, who's going to be the general manager? Now that's coming up more uh, with teams splitting those roles. And typically the general manager, I think, is somebody who is in a front office or has had an executive role, but has been more so behind the scenes that we have not. It's not somebody that's routinely thought about. So I'm not sure who the yeah. sky are going to get like who they would really want to get because it's 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 nebulous so i think it's it's, it's almost exciting for us as uh people who cover the team and for fans too to get to know somebody who's new and now you know we're that's the sky are going to be firmly in that that uh chicago sports milieu where you hopefully get a good general manager or you have two years and then you're calling in and you're like, fuck this dude. Like, I cannot believe that they made that move. Uh, oh my God. For Chicago sports sake, I am really hoping that this general manager comes in and figures things out for all you diehard Chicago sports fans. It's just been, what a rough summer, you know, just what a rough summer, even for the Cubs, man. Like, I don't know why I can't even get into this, Um, but Oh my God, just in terms of not making moves and then making moves. It's just like, especially in 2021 and 2022, you could point to the sky being like, hey, this is like the best sports team in town, you know? And they're not <laughs> looking around the landscape, man. They're not too far off from being that again, even if uh, things need to happen. The, the only thing I'll say on the head coach and general manager's point is just, it was imperative for them to split up those roles and they sent a message to the league that they're not going to go about doing business the same way they did it before. And I really hope that also includes the general manager being available to the media too to talk a little bit more. Because anytime you talk to James Wade, you're not just talking to James Wade, the coach. You could also talk with James Wade, the general manager, even if he didn't view himself as two people like that necessarily. You know, it's just like that's the reality. Like, it's good to be able to have different types of conversations with some, with the general manager than it is with the coach. You know, it is just a it's a different dynamic, and I hope 
this guy uh, make whoever the general manager is um, available to the media because that is a very important thing of getting more media attention is making people accessible even if you don't agree with how the media goes about things all the time. Anyway, um, what else is on your list of priorities this year? Because we were aligned with most of this. I mean, is there anything else that sticks out to you in terms of what this guy need to do this offseason? Uh, the infrastructure. You got to shore up the infrastructure, like make really good headway on a practice facility and other facilities. You brought in these big names to in your ownership group. You brought in Laurie Ricketts. You brought in Dwayne Wade. You brought in business people, um, women business people from the area who have bread. Like these are people with bread on top of bread stacks on stacks on stacks on stacks on stacks on stacks. <laughs> and so you've got to start breaking ground on these things sooner rather than later. Um, everybody's going to remember that Candace Parker quote that the first time she had her own locker room was when she went to Las Vegas. And we know how how dirty Las Vegas did dear at Cahambi, and that still did not weigh against Candace's decision to go there. So you have to be able to upgrade your facilities where if you're going to have this guy playing in the same arena as um, DePaul, you have to have some place that is theirs for these players that is theirs that they can say is their own. Um, you know, the Bulls played at the Birdo Center out in Deer, and then they were in Deerfield before that. So the Sky are coming on that natural progression, that arc, that same arc. And by the time the Bulls made it to being a championship contender, like a perennial contender, and had one of the best players in the world, they had their own facilities. So now you got to keep that going. You have the own facilities. Keep it up. You got to break ground on these things. I think, it's, like I said, sooner rather than later. I think Annie is the one that reported this that. Last offseason, James Wade and Ann Crosby, who is just one of the biggest pieces to this Chicago Sky puzzle. She's just so vital that she takes on multiple roles. And um, you got to, if there's an Ann Crosby story out there, definitely go read it because she's an important person to know. We talk about the Chicago Sky, but apparently her and James Wade were looking at potential practice facilities in the like last offseason, I believe Annie's reporting was from around that time and okay i think before you can even do that find the head coach who then can maybe potentially help with that or even the general manager and just like you said just establish the roles that you need to fill and then execute both the short and long-term plans that you have and part of that is looking ahead to 2025 and 20 or i think it's 2025 when their lease ends i believe it is for Sachs Recreational Center. So you got that that time needs to like the discussions need to happen now. And the sky that are on their way to not letting something like last January happen, where we see stars leave for places that have a lot of resources and show that they could they can build the culture and also provide the resources compared to the sky who had the culture but didn't have the resources. So it's a big moment for the sky and this is a huge off season that's coming ahead. We'll get into it more down the road too, but the sky did what they need to do in securing Kalia copper to a two year extension. I cannot say that enough because it is the most important part of this equation for the sky getting back to where they want to be and being able to have Kalia copper with the sky over the next two years just gives you so many other options and again, they 
like they just get a little bit closer to returning to the point where they want to be. Chris, any other thoughts before we end the show? Oh man. I, we already said how long of a season it was, right? I I can't say that there's uh, going to be a brighter tomorrow yet because we have to wait and see what the other teams do. A lot of where the sky land is still going to be contingent on what other teams do next year, which, which kind of sucks. They hadn't been in that position for a little while. But I want to put this into perspective this year. This was the first sky losing record um, since James Wade was hired, which means that was 20... Uh, Late 2018, yeah. Yep, yeah. so 2018 was the last time they had a losing record. They made the playoffs again. That was the ninth time in 11 seasons that they made the playoffs um, after never making it in their first seven seasons. And their winning percentage since 2014 is 530, which is one of the best in the league in that stretch of time. Um, they're only 40 games under 500 for their entire history and this is this is actually really cool to put into perspective if you if you're a fan of secret base if you're a fan of football they have their history of the minnesota vikings uh, documentary series that just concluded i think last week and the vikings have never won a super bowl but they have one of the best winning percentages in the Super Bowl era. They're 120 games over 500. A mm-hmm. bit more striking with football, which has never had more than a 17-game regular season. But for the Sky to be only 40 games under 500, you know, if they win every single game next year, then they would only be six games under 500. But this is the trajectory of this team. Not only have they won a championship, not only did they bring a top-tier free agent to this city after years of having – top tier players leave of their own accord not want to be here this was the first blip that they've had in a while sky fans have been able to ex- to expect postseason basketball for most of the last decade it's a 12 team league so there's you know when three quarters of the league makes the playoffs yeah you can say that but Los Angeles missed the playoffs for three straight seasons. Indiana had catch, and then they've been on the bottom of the league for a long time. The Liberty have been to the playoffs, but have not been to the final since 2002 after being so successful in the first part of their period. And this is the first time that the Dallas Wings are going to the second round of the playoffs since they were the the Detroit Shock. So Sky fans can take a lot of solace in the fact that not only are they an expansion franchise that debuted nearly 10 years after the league started and had to endure a lot of losing to get to this point. But I think the franchise itself has committed to the fact that they are not going to kick the can down the road for three or four years and let themselves be absolutely terrible, even if it means that they might miss out on a world-changing draft pick. That's uh, There's something to be said for that because there's it's hard to be absolutely like riding the line of of futile mediocrity in a 12 team league. And I think the franchise has recognized that they can put themselves in the upper echelon and still maintain a presence in the postseason. So if you're really thinking about how bad the year was or how bad it felt, think about that. Just keep thinking about that. Go to sleep with that thought in your head and then wake up tomorrow and say, Hey, I think that we're going to do some things next year. It's also just a reminder to cherish every championship that comes your way because the next one is never guaranteed. And when it's your team has a chance to go for it versus 
not go for it because they think, oh, there's championships in the future. Even when there's a chance for you to go get one, it's like, no, we got to go. You got to go get a championship. And um, when your team wins one, just cherish that shit because there's nothing like it. And you never know when you're going to experience that feeling again. So, hey, maybe we'll see the Chicago sky give the fans that at some point. Um, and yeah, well said, Chris. Well, very well said. Um, you know, we just want to thank you guys again for tuning into this episode and all the episodes that have come out throughout this entire season. If you want to reach us, you can always do so by emailing our mailbag, which is the skyhook mailbag at gmail.com. One more time, that is the skyhook mailbag at gmail.com. And if you want to find us outside of the audio version of this podcast, you can do so by checking out the episode description that contains our link tree. But again, thank you so much for listening to us through, you know what, throughout all the years of the show and um, supporting us. And, you know, we love talking sky basketball. So thanks again for a great season. And until next time.